Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting alongside my colleague Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. After an action-packed weekend, Wes, the 2018 NFL Draft is in the books. The Packers come out of it with 11 players. Just your uh, your thoughts on how things went. I don't mean to throw a, a pity party for us here, but 11 picks, that's a lot of work for us to do on the website. <laughs> but we got through it, and we're here to do Packers Unscripted. Yeah, I mean, it was funny because on Sunday I told my wife I had all these plans mapped out. I had some work <laughs> I wanted to do in the backyard, the basement. I was going to go running. Uh, I accomplished none of it. <laughs> I went to breakfast in the morning, missed church, uh, end up uh, just basically sitting around all the afternoon. That's what happens, though, and I I think uh, when you go through a run like that, this particular year, the Packers drafting 11 players, uh, there's just so much that's happening and a lot of new personalities to get to know, Uh, but for the Packers' perspective, I think you look at a lot of the reviews of this draft class, they've been very favorable considering that they they really addressed their biggest need, which was cornerback. Yeah, and I want to get to that as well, and uh, just to give the fans a heads up, we're going to be here all week talking about this draft. If (laughs) we don't talk about your favorite draft pick on today's show, keep tuning in because we have a lot more shows to talk about this draft, but because we wrapped up last week talking about the first round and the selection of Louisville's Jair Alexander, excuse me, I want to get to what happened in the second round with the Packers sitting at 45 right in the middle of the round there and a player that a lot of people had rated as a first-round prospect and that many mock drafts had actually going to the Packers at number 14, their original pick in the first round. Josh Jackson, the cornerback from Iowa, is there. Even though the Packers had just chosen a cornerback in the first round the night before, simply too good a player to pass up who falls that far and Brian Gutekunst jumped on it. Yeah, this is your quintessential uh, best player available uh, in the truest form. I mean, if you go back to the scouting combine, Mike, you and I were sitting there with Larry McCarron, we did some of the shows. I think the the logical thinking at that point in time was there was Denzel Ward and then there was Josh Jackson. Those were kind of the one-two. Jackson ends up running in the, you know, the mid four or five range at the combine right. and, and on the heels of only having that one true season where he was a starter at Iowa. I think that's ultimately what had him falling into the mid second round, but you look at his size and how he matches up, Mike, this is a great pick for the Packers. And I know a lot of people right away were trying to draw, you know, parallels to 2015. I see this as something that's entirely different because of where you picked Jair Alexander, how they had him rated on their board, and then being able to get Jackson. Uh, Quentin Rollins, no disrespect to him, wasn't viewed like a first-round type prospect in right. 2015. Right. Josh Jackson really was, and for the Packers to get him at 45, I think that's something they felt really good about. Yeah, and eight interceptions for Jackson in 2017. He sat behind a couple of other NFL-level players, uh, you know, wasn't a starter at Iowa, was on the field, you know, on defense in sub-packages, yeah. things like that. Was a starter for the first time in 2017, and lo and behold, he ends up leading the nation with eight interceptions. And I'll say this, Wes, the most impressive thing to me about those eight interceptions, because with college statistics, you can have, say, these players from the Big Ten. They play some lesser schools, smaller schools early in the season. Guys can pad their stats and, and make some things happen, okay? But Five of Josh Jackson's eight interceptions came in a two-week span against Ohio State and Wisconsin, the two teams that were playing for the Big Ten Championship 
when it was all said and done in that conference last year. This is a guy who's a playmaker, and uh, you know it's it's really going to be exciting to see just how he fits in and how Mike Pettin wants to use him with another young corner in Alexander being that first round. Pick. Right, and what's interesting too about Jackson is that you talk about that cupcake schedule. Well, his was against Josh Allen, the number seventh overall pick. He got an interception off him as well <laughs> uh, when Iowa beat Wyoming early in the season. Right. So, he earned, you know, the, the the pelts that are on his wall. They they came through attrition and really been able to step up to the moment. And Alonzo Dotson, the Packers college scout that that handles that region of the Midwest, you know, he said it too. This is a guy so much was said in the pre-draft process. He's a zone cornerback. Well, he right. has a lot of man in his background too, playing single high safety looks, uh being able to press at the line of scrimmage and I think if you did, if you took away all that, Mike, if you don't pay attention to the zone kind of narrative that was out there, and you just looked at him as a six foot, hundred and ninety five pound cornerback, he looks like a press man corner. And you know the second side of that is you look at those interceptions he had at Iowa. There are some amazing highlight reel catches that he had, and I, I think that that's kind of what he's giving you here. He gives you a fully rounded out cornerback and a guy I think the Packers think can they can mold into that prototypical type boundary guy. Yeah, yeah, I think if there's one thing we heard most often in terms of the evaluation of Alexander and Jackson looking at them as a tandem here as the two picks at the top of this draft is ball skills. Yeah. Mike McCarthy talked about it. You know, it's about takeaways in this game. It's about making big plays on defense, especially making big plays at key times in ball games. These guys, these two corners at the top were drafted to do exactly that. They did, and they did it in different ways. It's not like they're both just the same cookie-cutter type cornerback. Alexander's a smaller guy, but he's shifty. He plays big. And he can and he jump. Has great speed and athleticism. Yeah. That jumps out to you. Josh Jackson, if this is a guy who in one year did what he did at Iowa, what's he going to do when you have Joe Witt coaching you? When you can take all of those um, you know, instincts and just what he brings to the table, the rawness that he was able to really produce off of when you start to hone that with more technique and skill. He said it, too, on his conference call. He feels like he's far from being a finished product, right. and he brings that potential now to Green Bay. Yeah, all right, with that, we're going to go to a break. Back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford in this chair, Wes Hodkowitz in that one. Okay, Wes, continuing our review of Friday night, the second and third rounds of the draft. The Packers actually went into the third round without a pick, having traded that third round pick to Seattle on Thursday night to move back up into the teens in the first round in order to take Alexander from Louisville. But as that third round was winding down, there was a player on the board that Brian Gutekunst really liked, wanted to have, and traded a very valuable asset, that being the number one pick in the fourth round, which was going to be the opening pick on Saturday, traded that to move back into the third round and selected Oren Burks out of Vanderbilt. And I will say this, I don't really know much about uh, Burks. I didn't know much about him before the draft. But knowing what Gutekunst traded for him to get him tells me how highly he thought of him. And the fact, Mike, that they didn't want to wait 13 more picks to take him. They felt like this is a guy that it was time to go. Um, and, and, and it's funny, too, because you say you don't know much about him. I think he was kind of uh, you know, a, a mystery a little bit to people throughout the draft process, too. Some people had him as a fourth to fifth round pick. Some had him in the third round. Just because of his skill set, 
it's so interesting. I, I said um, on Saturday night, Mike, I think the Packers made history in a number of ways here. It's the first time they've taken a natural long snapper, a, a number one, that's his position, right. in the draft. I think you probably could go back, and I'm sure there's some example you can show me, but I can't remember the last time the Packers took basically drafted a purposeful hybrid linebacker, uh, which is what Oren Burks gives you. He did convert his last year. He was an inside backer, but he started at Vanderbilt as a defensive back. His junior year, he ends up playing that hybrid safety role. Last year, they just said, you know what? You're an inside backer. He plays in that 235 range, so he he looks the part, but he gives you some coverage skills, speed, and physicality that – I think is really going to fit well in this defense for what Mike Pettin wants to do. Yeah, to be 230 plus pounds and to be able to uh, to run, you know, a four five, I believe it was, yeah. was in the four fives with the 40 yard dash at the combine. That's a that's the type of uh, sideline to sideline type of speed from a linebacker. That let's be honest, and this is no knock against Blake Martinez, who had a tremendous second season, and or against Jake Ryan, who's a really solid run defender in this Packers defense. But they can't run like that. They don't have that kind of speed. So this brings a new element to an inside linebacker group that I think. Mike Pettin is going to try to find, you know, some different combinations here and there, depending on matchups and game plans and whatnot, to use all these guys. And three dominoes had already fallen going into this draft. The first two are that Morgan Burnett and Joe Thomas are both gone. Joe Thomas had kind of been their coverage dime linebacker at times throughout the past two, three years. Right. Morgan Burnett was that hybrid linebacker who probably spent a majority of 2017 lining up near the line of scrimmage, whether it was in the slot or whether it was at linebacker. And then the other one is Josh Jones, who teased that position a little bit, but Mike McCarthy's already said they want him to focus on safety now going into 2018. You only had Martinez and Ryan. You needed to add somebody to that room. They did it in the third round, and I think that gives them kind of that staple that they're looking for, three guys that have different types of skill sets that can all be utilized in this defense. Yeah, an interesting background here with Burks, too. Goes to Va- uh, comes from Vanderbilt, I should say. Has a uh, younger sister who's also an athlete, a uh, an accomplished softball player out at Stanford. Um, so you're talking about you know a family that sends its its children to some uh, some highly regarded academic institutions, but they carry a heck of a lot of athletic ability. And uh, and for Oren Burks to be drafted in the third round, coming to the Packers, uh, you know it it sa- says something about the work that he put in, but uh, but sounds also like an incredibly well-rounded kid. And that's important because you can have all those tools at inside backer. You can be physical. You can be able to run with guys in the slot be able to cover you know, running backs coming out of the backfield. But if you can't mentally process all that quickly, it's not going to work out. And I think you're getting a really intelligent kid who's obviously very driven and sold the Packers on all of this. I believe he was one of their pre-draft visits. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. I think but you're right, yeah. They, th- there's so many that come through here. I'm trying to make sure I get them all right. <laughs> but they've been able to take a look at him. They've been able to study him. And they felt good enough about him, as you said, to take that very precious first pick on the fourth day, getting – 13, 14 hours just to process who they want to pick. They moved up. They knew they didn't need that time, and Oren Burks was that guy. Yeah, all right. With that, we're going to go to another break. Back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford here, Wes Hodkowitz over there. Okay, Wes, so on day three of the draft, the Packers go into it with eight picks. They end up 
sitting pat at all of those spots and, and taking eight players. And I think if there's uh, one thing that day three of the 2018 draft will be remembered for in Green Bay, much like day three in 2017 was remembered for taking three running backs, this one was three wide receivers. Jamon Moore from Missouri in the fourth round, Marquez Valdez-Scantling from South Florida in the fifth round, and then Equinemia St. Brown from Notre Dame in the sixth round. I got all those names out, Wes. I survived it. <laughs> but um, Packers have uh, restocked, reloaded in some ways here at wide receiver, not with a top prospect, not with a first-round, second-round guy. But um, as I said, much like they did at running back, they, uh, they're stockpiling here, and they're going to see what happens. Yeah, and all three of them, I think, check two very big boxes athletic and tall yeah big, uh, big when guys. you look at st brown six foot five he says right now he's around 218 he was listed at 203 he's the son of a, a former world champion bodybuilder um and obviously his story has been documented by hbo and a di- bunch of different outlets um remarkable remarkable athleticism and also had a really good rapport with deshaun kaiser two years ago at notre dame um jimon moore uh, is is terrific i mean a guy that was incredibly productive 2000 yard seasons in the sec yeah um that doesn't happen by accident now there's some questions about his drops uh he him and both also john eric sullivan said a lot of that they think is a concentration thing him just trying to work two steps ahead trying to slow down his game as he said humbling his eyes a little bit is going to be the key and Veldez scantling is uh, honestly to me out of these 11 i think is the most intriguing of all these prospects because he runs so fast he's sub four four he is six foot four uh, i think there were some questions about the vertical was a little little shorter than you would expect for a guy that's his size and with that kind of speed but had a career year had a, a you know a school record in terms of a single season production last year at usf and all three of them bring something else to the table and with trying to find a pl- you know another guy to step in for jordy nelson it gives Luke, uh, actually, almost said Luke Getzey, David Rye <laughs> in the Packers offense, a lot of different options to work with. Yeah, and you said it at the beginning. Uh, you look at the size of these guys, all three of them in that 6'3 to 6'5 range. We've talked over the last couple of years about when Geronimo Allison has been on the field. Last year when um, Michael Clark. Clark, I was going to say Brown, and I knew that wasn't right. Michael <laughs> Clark, when he's been on the field, a different type of target out there. Now you're bringing in these three guys that, you know, that all provide that different type of target. It really changes the the dynamic a little bit here in terms of uh, this group of young pass catchers that Aaron Rodgers will be working with. And uh, and if one thing stood out to me about the third of the three, St. Brown from Notre Dame, it's that uh, he was the one guy in all the conference calls that we did with the players after they were picked. They they For those who don't know, they put them on a conference call with all the media in the auditorium at Lambeau Field, and you can ask them questions over the phone. He was the one who I felt anyway was kind of ticked off that he had to wait until the end of the sixth round to get picked. A lot of projections had him as more of a third yeah. or fourth round guy. He seemed kind of annoyed by it, and I'm very curious to see if he's able to 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 channel that disappointment, you know, in the proper way to, in terms of motivation and whatnot to get his NFL career started, because we've seen guys like that before, you know, the the old chip on the shoulder cliche. Sometimes it can work to your advantage, but also sometimes that can become too much of the story. It can be. Uh, there's th- there's two different elements this that I really like though for St. Brown. He is getting reunited now with Deshaun Kaiser. There's going to be nobody happier to see their name come up with the Green Bay Packers than St. Brown because he knows now in training camp throughout the preseason he's going to work with the guy that he had the most success with. Different change of quarterback last year. His numbers went down, but he's going to be able to have that. 
The other side of it is, though, he did say the draft committee going into this thing projected him as a fourth-round pick. There were some top 100s I saw that had him within that. I think Pro Football Focus had him up as high as 66 wow. on their list of overall prospects. So he did leave a year early. He could have went back for one more year. He only had really two years at Notre Dame. He played as a true freshman, but not very much. So there wasn't a whole lot to go off from that perspective. But the one thing I do really like about these three picks, you remember in 2013, Mike, the Packers, they kind of overloaded a little bit in the late rounds. They went with Charles Johnson. They drafted Kevin Dorsey. Johnson was coming from Division Two. Dorsey was coming from Maryland, but had no production really whatsoever, and the quarterback was an issue. All three of these guys come from bigger programs. Yeah. And even though Valdez Scantling came from USF, he started at North Carolina State. Yeah, he started in the ACC. These are Power 5-type prospects, Power 5-type yeah. recruits, and now they're going to be playing, they hope, with the best quarterback in football. It does not set you up any better to really show what you can do than the platform the Packers are giving them. Yeah, and the, and the comment you made initially about Jamon Moore out of Missouri, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, I believe it was 18 touchdown yeah. catches. And when you're talking about doing that in the SEC at you know against these schools like Alabama and LSU who have defensive backs drafted high yes. every single year and, and other schools in, in that conference as well, that says something. You know, uh, Florida has defensive backs drafted all the time as well and the other thing I like about Moore his drops were easy drops that's what a lot of scouts had said throughout this process it was just stuff underneath stuff where he just was looking too far ahead he can make contested catches he can make them along the boundary that's the type of prospect you're looking for all right with that we're going to go to a break back with more on Packers unscripted excuse me right after this Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. I am Mike Spofford. He is Wes Hodkowitz. Okay, Wes, final segment of the show, and I'll try to get through it. My voice has cracked a couple of times already today. (laughs) It's all that screaming over the weekend. Tells you how long the weekend was (laughs) to get through. But anyway, a lot of guys here to talk about on day three, but I do want to hit on a couple of, I guess you'd have to call them surprise picks. The Packers take not one but two specialists in the final rounds of the draft. Punter J.K. Scott from Alabama and then long snapper Hunter Bradley from Mississippi State, both from the SEC. And uh, I guess we're already headed for uh, quite the competition at punter in training camp with Justin Vogel. We are. I just want to say something quick. I never toot my own horn here. I totally called them drafting a long snapper, though. I called it. (laughs) I called it. We'll talk about Hunter Bradley a little bit more in a second. The one thing I did not call did not anticipate them taking a punter. Uh, Just because I thought Justin Vogel, for the most part, had a good enough year, and he didn't have any competition for that job last year at all, uh, once Jake Shum was placed on injured reserve. So, But, I mean, you look at J.K. Scott, Mike, this is a guy that I can see why it would be hard for the Packers to pass up, especially if you're depending on what that fifth-round board looked like. You pointed it out. If a punter's your top value there in the fifth round, you feel comfortable there, you could go a lot worse than J.K. Scott. Six-foot-six, little over 200 pounds. As he said in his, his conference call with us, he doesn't even have to leave the ground when he punts just because of the, the leg and, and what he's, how high he's able to get up on these punts. And it sounded like that last year at Alabama, they really honed his technique. A sideline-to-sideline side punter, he feels comfortable doing that. I believe there was only five punts returned against him last year, yeah. thanks in part to increased hang time and also the gunners getting down in the field quick enough for Bama. 
this guy's a really good prospect. I can see why the Packers took a liking to him. Yeah, you have to look when you look at the numbers. You have to look at them very carefully with Scott because his senior year at Alabama, his gross average was forty three yards, which was actually less than his career average of forty five point six, which is a school record at Alabama. But then you look at the net average. The net average his senior year was almost identical to the gross average because nobody returned any punts. Yeah. Half the punts were fair caught. He pinned a bunch of them inside the 20-yard line. There were hardly any return yards at all. And that's something that where I, I think he elevated his game to where he became a punter that somebody was going to draft because, um, yeah, when that net average and that gross average are, are so close together, that says something about the all-around uh, abilities that guy has. As he said, he was getting really long punts. His first couple years there especially after he got you know some of the knee issues behind him but guys were being able to return it there was no hang time there so they added some more technique to that and that's what enabled him to be in a position that he was really Mike when it comes down to it net hang times net punting yards is really the only thing me personally that I care about yeah and when you talk about Hunter Bradley the long snapper from Mississippi State Talk about a kid who's overcome a heck of a lot. Was it three ACL yeah. injuries over the course of his career? I ended up spending six yeah, years, years six years at Mississippi State because he had a redshirt year and then also kind of a, a medical hardship year that got him an extra year of eligibility. And in the seventh round, he ends up getting drafted in the NFL. Hard not to root for a guy like that. The only long snapper that was drafted this year, and then also uh, from the standpoint of Packers needing a guy at that position – Hunter Bradley is such an interesting story because he was the son of a long snapper. He went to Mississippi State playing tight end, had three ACL injuries. He even recounted a story of one of the team leaders going up to him, asking him in the training room one day, why are you still here? <laughs> he ends up getting a chance to become the long snapper after the starting guy tore his ACL and then played the position perfectly his last two seasons. A really good story that we'll probably end up talking a little bit more about later this week. Yeah, I think he should put why are you still here on a T-shirt <laughs> that he wears under his jersey in every NFL game that he ends up playing if I were him, that's what I would do. But with that, we have to sign off on Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team and the draft on Packers.com on Twitter. He's at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford, at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.